Hello, and welcome to Capital Ideas. We call this podcast Capital Ideas because it's a place where members of the Democratic majority in the Washington State House of Representatives sit down at the Capitol and talk about ideas. Today, we've got another quick hit, a brief conversation to shine a light on an issue that people might be curious about. The topic for today is carbon pollution, and our guest is Representative Joe Fitzgibbon of Burien. Joe chairs the House Environment Committee, and he's authored a bill that aims to curb carbon dioxide emissions by hitting polluters where it hurts, right in the bottom line. We recorded this in Olympia on March 14, 2017, and unlike carbon dioxide, today's podcast is neither colorless nor odorless. Here it is. Welcome to Capital Ideas, Representative Joe Fitzgibbon. I appreciate you coming by. Thanks, Dan. Glad to do this. As I mentioned in my introduction, you have just introduced a, a fairly sweeping environmental bill. Could you give us kind of a quick summary of that bill? The goal here is to incorporate the costs of carbon dioxide pollution, which today is borne by all of us, as we all are impacted by greenhouse gas emissions that are emitted by cars or trucks or factories or power plants in the state, to capture the cost of that in the cost of the product rather than sharing all of it with the public. $15 a ton, which we know is much less than the actual cost of carbon pollution, but it's a starting point, allows us to start to charge the full cost of the impacts to society and the impacts to our air and water of those emissions. So we invest the proceeds in projects that further reduce greenhouse gas emissions, in water projects that includes both clean water, flood control, water storage, and in forest health projects really large and also known environmental needs in this state would have a dedicated funding stream thanks to the tax on uh, carbon pollution that we enact in the bill. How's the volume of carbon measured? Carbon dioxide is measured in tons or metric tons and then there's also some greenhouse gases that are emitted in smaller quantities than CO2 like methane that have a higher impact per molecule but are emitted in a smaller quantity. So they're, they're still measured in CO2 equivalent tons. So Washington's overall emissions are about 90 to 95 million metric tons of carbon dioxide and carbon dioxide equivalent a year. We uh, are just under 100 million tons and under current state law, the goal is to reduce that to about 40 million tons by the year 2050. Now, even that's not adequate. We know our current goals are not adequate to reduce pol pollution enough, but the goals that we currently have on in state law, we're not reducing our emissions fast enough to meet those goals. I'm sure that there's been a fiscal note written on this bill, but approximately how much revenue would it bring in at current levels of carbon production? Mm -hmm. Under current levels of carbon production, with some of the exemptions that are in place in the bill, we'd be bringing in about $2 billion a year. And this is money that would again be invested in what? In projects to reduce emissions. So that could mean uh, an energy efficiency retrofit of a building. That could mean a combined heat and power facility at a manufacturing plant. It could be a, a dairy digester to produce methane gas from cow waste. Uh, it could be an affordable housing project, a transit project. So reducing emissions, that's the biggest chunk of the money. 70% of the money in the bill goes to projects like that. 20% of the money goes towards water-related projects and 10% to forest health. We're all going to benefit in the sense that we have a safe climate in the long run. We can show other states and other countries that you can reduce greenhouse gas emissions and have a thriving economy at the same time. Uh, people will benefit who uh, have fewer emissions being released in areas that they're going to have to breathe them. Um, people will benefit if, they, if their home or their farm is currently at risk from a flood and we're able to fund a flood control project through this bill. Um, 
communities in eastern Washington in particular will benefit from spending on forest health to reduce wildfire risk out there. Um, so the benefits are very widely felt. Um, and the, benef the, the biggest benefit, though, is reduced greenhouse gas emissions, uh, which increase our chances of having a safe climate to pass on to our kids and our grandkids. I want to talk about your bill now in comparison mm -hmm. to some other things. There was a, an initiative that failed last November. Mm -hmm. What is the difference yep. between your bill and that initiative? Initiative 732 spent most of the money that it raised to the carbon tax on cutting other taxes. And I think the voters didn't feel that there was a compelling value that they were going to receive through cutting the sales tax slightly and cutting the B&O tax slightly. Um, instead of cutting those taxes, we invest the money. We invest the money in projects our communities need. So that's one key difference. I think another key difference is that some businesses are at greater risk than others, and that's about 5% of emissions from these energy-intense trade-exposed businesses. That They don't get to set the price of their product, and they send, spend a lot of money on electricity or other energy costs. So that would be like the pulp and paper mills, the steel mills, uh, aluminum mills. We exempt them in this bill. And that, that was a really large part of the opposition to the initiative last fall came from businesses saying, hey, we might actually have to close if this tax is enacted. And we recognize that and we recognize that those are important businesses that we want to keep here and, and exempt them from paying that tax, which leaves the other 95% of the emissions, which um, are from sources that are not likely to leave. And how about the other two plans right now? The governor has mm -hmm. a plan that he released a couple of months ago. There's at least one, possibly two senators that mm -hmm. have got plans that mm -hmm. they have either introduced or are getting ready to. Mm -hmm. Why yours? Mm -hmm. The governor's bill uh, imposes a $25 a ton tax. So mine's 15, his is 25. So it's a steeper tax and it directs most of the money to the general fund. And we've heard pretty loudly both from House Democrats as well as from businesses that would be paying the tax that it's very important for them that it not be a general fund revenue stream because then they think it's just going to go up indefinitely. And as long as the money is being used for uh, expenditures that have some nexus to natural resources, to a clean, healthy environment, there's more support for that among both businesses and among legislators. And I'd say those are the key differences between our, our bill and the governor's bill. Senator Hobbs also introduced a bill, which is also a $15 a ton tax, but it would do away with the governor's regulations on greenhouse gases and would, would also direct most of the money towards either transportation or education purposes, which I think those are valuable things. I just want to see the money go towards uh, expenditures that have a closer nexus to the source. We hear a lot of criticism of small or local or individual state uh, limited mm -hmm. exercises in trying to reduce carbon footprint, trying to combat climate change. What is a good argument to, mm -hmm. to use when people say, you know, we're not going to be able to make any difference. It's a big planet. Mm -hmm. The damage has been done for a long time. Mm -hmm. Why should we sacrifice mm -hmm. at all when somebody in the next state over mm -hmm. might not be and eventually we're all going to be dead anyway yeah. before any of this takes effect. Yeah. Well, we might all be dead a little bit sooner than expected if we do nothing. I don't think that we should throw in the towel on this problem. There's still time to address this problem or maybe to, to keep it from reaching the worst of its potential impacts if we address climate change sooner than later. I would also say most of our neighbors are taking action. British Columbia, Oregon, and California all have strong greenhouse gas reduction policies, much stronger than ours. And combined with those other jurisdictions, we make up the sixth largest economy in the world. Um, and so we have the opportunity to show the rest of the world that the West 
coast of North America is a the climate leader, is the climate leader of the world, and that we're doing that in a way that's supportive of economic growth. We've seen really robust economic growth in both British Columbia and California, even though they've had climate policies on the books for many years now. In addition, Washington is not one of those states that has a bunch of fossil fuels that we're getting rich off of. We're not Alaska with our oil. We're not Montana with our coal. We don't have those things. So every dollar that we're spending on clean, locally produced energy rather than on fossil fuels from somewhere else is money that we keep in the state, that we keep circulating through our local economies. And we spend twice as much money as a state on fossil fuels from other places as we do on education, which is, you know, for state government is the top expenditure. But for the people of the state overall, we're spending a huge amount of money on fossil fuels that we get no economic return for and that meanwhile pollute our air and our water. So accelerating this transition to a clean energy economy is really good for the people of our state and it shows other states that it can be done. And without jurisdictions like Washington, we're never going to see national action and we're never going to see global action. Taxes are a pretty hard sell mm -hmm. in this state and in most states. How are you going to sell this within your own chamber mm -hmm. across the rotunda and to the people of Washington State, mm -hmm. assuming that it mm -hmm. gathers enough momentum yeah. to for that to be a real question. Well, there's no question people don't like taxes, but people also don't like pollution. And this is a tax on pollution. This is a tax on thing something that we want less of. And I think that when people are faced with that choice, would you rather pay taxes on something that you like, like property or sales or business activity, or on something that you want to see less of, like air pollution? Um, I think that people will be responsive to that. And we've seen time and time again the voters of the state have stood up uh, at the ballot box for um, our air and our water. And we saw that with toxic cleanup. We saw that with growth management. We saw that with renewable energy. And I think that if this does end up before the voters, voters will say, I want to see less pollution. This is a pollution reduction program. And that's what the voters of our state have told us they want. I guess that's why they call it the Evergreen State. Yeah. I know we're, we're about out of time here. I appreciate you coming by. Let me just ask you one more question mm -hmm. on the timing of this bill. Why now? Why not mm -hmm. two months ago? Why not next year? Why is this happening at mm -hmm. this moment? Well, as we're moving towards a budget negotiation this at the end of this legislative session, I think it's important that this idea be in the mix and that we have a carbon tax as a potential ingredient towards budget agreement that is hopefully as well worked as possible by the time that the leadership in, in both chambers starts to look at what revenue options might be before us. It's harder to pass a new tax than to increase an existing tax, but in this case it's the right thing to do. We'd much rather tax pollution than tax business activity or sales or property, and, and that's what this strategy presents an opportunity for the legislature to move forward on. I also think the reason we have the hearing and the reason we've been talking about this issue and been talking about both carbon tax and cap and trade, which is a related but different program a couple years ago, is so that we can understand all of the potential impacts of it and try to address those, um, have them well thought out and addressed before we get to the point where people have to actually vote on it. Um, and I think that's the work that we're doing right now. And I think that the, the reaction that we're getting from both people who would be paying the tax, people who would be benefiting from the investments in the tax, has been much more positive than we've heard in years past. And I think there's um, much more openness to addressing this problem before it gets worse uh, than I've seen in past years when working on this issue. Representative Joe Fitzgibbon, this is a great place to wrap up. I appreciate you coming by, and the best of luck to you. Thanks, Dan. That's it for today. If you feel like the last few minutes were worthwhile, why not subscribe to Capital Ideas on iTunes or at housedemocrats.wa.gov. This is your state government, and what happens here matters a lot. The more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. 
I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats. Thank you for listening.